a listener production. Okay, are you recording? Greetings, legends. Welcome along to episode 135 of the Howie Games Part A, featuring cricketer and general purveyor of good vibes, Mitch Marsh. Final ball of the innings. Can he finish it with a six? Mitch Marsh. My word, he can. Eight for the innings, the highest score here at Perth Stadium. Three for 213. Mitch Marsh, 93 from 41. An incredible innings. Mitch Marsh plays the hardest role in cricket, that of the all-rounder. So he needs to be a world-class bowler and world-class batsman. He does this at times across all three formats, T20 internationals, one-day internationals and test matches. It's a pretty big load to say the least. Now, Mitch is his own harshest critic and he's copped a constant barrage of criticism over his career from the Aussie cricket-loving public. But as you'll hear, Mitch doesn't shy away from it at all. He fully embraces the fans' passion for the game and right to voice their opinions. But all that said, it doesn't mean that the criticism doesn't hurt. So you search and try to find, but you don't know where to go. So many thoughts flood through your mind. You're confused and want to know, mystery, what is to be? So much more than meets the eye. Listen to me, time is your key. You will find out by and by. This is a conversation about the anxiety that can come with wanting to perform on the sporting stage, cricket life in the COVID times and how testing that can be, dealing with both success and failure and the importance of being a great teammate, which Mitch Marsh most certainly is. Mitch is just about the nicest fella in Aussie cricket. Teammates absolutely love him. I hope after you listen to this pretty raw conversation that the next time Marsh is out on the ground, you're wanting him to succeed as much as I do. Enjoy the story of the big bison, Mitch Marsh. So when you search and then you find And know just where to go And thoughts that once used to cloud your mind You see clearly and now you know Mystery, what is to be Revealed in King Selassie I Come on children, try it with me We want to reach Mount Zion I now, this is a true treat for the Howie Games audience. Uh, big fan in my house is the uh, nine-year-old of this man, a man that has plied his trade playing cricket all around the world, test match, one-day international and T20, bats, bowls, fields and always smiles. His name is Mitch Marsh. I'm pumped he's on the Howie Games. Hello, Marshy. Howie, pleased to be on here, mate. Hey, Marshy, I, I realised that you would be in quarantine, so I thought this was a good time to try and catch up with you on the show. And... Often it takes a while to secure a guest. I was absolutely pumped that immediately you responded saying you were happy to go and be on the show. So thank you, mate. I really appreciate that. Yeah. Um, thanks, Howie. I'm a bit, of a bit of an interesting one for you. Um, I, and, and I'm sure we'll find out later in the episode when we delve into a few things. But um, I saw 12, 18 months ago, uh, and I've listened to this podcast a lot, um, listened to most of the episodes, and, and I absolutely love it. Um, thank you. I love hearing, you know, people from all sporting or all facets of life talk um, about their journeys and stories and stuff. And um, I sort of sat down to um, sort of map out a, a few goals and, and what I wanted to achieve out of cricket and probably my life more so in general over the next little bit. And um, and one of those, it's a little bit embarrassing to share, but one of those that I wrote down was that I wanted to be on the Howie Games um, purely based on the fact that you've had some amazing people on here and 
there's been a lot of stories told that I've been able to relate to. Um, Thank you, mate. And got so much out, so much out of. So, um, yeah, when you texted me the other night, mate, I was actually I got straight on the phone to my girlfriend and, and said you wouldn't you would not believe it. But, oh wow! Um, Howie's messaged me to be on the Howie game. So, um, yeah, there's a little story for you, mate, and I'm absolutely wrapped to be on here. I don't know what to say now, mate. That's the kindest thing anyone's ever <laughs> said to me on the show. I appreciate it, mate. Well, hopefully, uh, I can live up to expectations. Good on you, mate. Thank you. No, thank you, mate. Mate, I'm pumped you're on. Uh, this will probably go out just before the T20 World Cup. You're just back from the West Indies and Bangladesh. Congratulations on your own performances, by the way, which we'll get to. But, mate, you're in quarantine now and you just said to me we might get interrupted. So so what is happening in your world at the moment? Yeah. Well, currently not a lot, mate. Um, yeah. Day, day eight today feels like day 80. Wow. Um, but, uh, yeah, basically every morning um, you get a knock on the door and you get a saliva test um, and uh, normally they're about 10 o'clock, but they're running a bit behind schedule today, so I might have to have a quick chat to them when I get out there to keep them on schedule, mate. Get it hurried <laughs> through. So you're in, you're in Adelaide at the moment in quarantine. Yep. What, gee, this is, this is not a positive question for you. What, but it's the, it's the life of the modern athlete. What quarantine is this for you? What number? Uh, this is number four for me. Um, yeah, third, third hotel quarantine. So, um, yeah, it can be tough at times, mate. I'm not going to lie to you. Um, Started to realise that I'm I'm not a great bloke spending all this time with myself. <laughs> so so <laughs> tell, like it, it, I can only imagine we had we had nine days in home when when the big penguin who who you're aware of he had a positive case at his school and Marshy I thought I oh, will just breeze through this we're at home it's a lot easier than what you're doing but I found not being able to get out the front gate was way way more mentally restrictive than normal lockdown so to speak yeah. and we're used to it here in Victoria how is it for you when you're in a hotel room by yourself. Um, yeah, I, I sort of go through waves. To be to be fair, um, my, my first hotel quarantine was um, coming off the back of the IPL. I got injured. I did my uh, syndesmosis, which is a crazy injury for a cricketer. Um, yeah. And uh, so my headspace going into that two weeks was um, was not great, and I really battled through that one. Mitchell Marsh's return to the IPL was short lived, hobbling off after courageously coming out to bat. Goes up. And it doesn't look good, does it? Marsh sustained an injury trying to field a ball off countryman Aaron Finch, limiting him to just four balls bowled before leaving the field. The, the grip, almost like the spikes, gave way, but let's hope he's OK. And were you in pain in that one? Because you, you were obviously going to need an operation that you had to put off for two weeks, which as a professional athlete would be, um, oh, that would be a real mental stress. Yeah, yeah, I was, uh, yeah, as I said, I wasn't in the greatest of headspaces, um, I was in a moon boot. I couldn't really walk. So, um, and for someone like me, I love to be sort of active and getting out there and um, love the fresh air, certainly when I'm home, getting out for my beach walks every morning and, and doing that sort yeah. of stuff. So, um, yeah, I battled my way through that. And obviously, um, from a cricket perspective, I felt like it was just a huge opportunity to miss. So, you had all these emotions running through my head at that point in time. Um, just wanting to be out there playing cricket and the IPL is such a huge tournament that you want to be a part of and um, I felt like I'd missed a huge opportunity there, uh, for not only that but for the rest of that summer. But, um, yeah, I ended up uh, passing the time. I reckon I watched every single Disney movie that there was um, <laughs> in, that two, in that two weeks, which was pretty rare. Um, but uh, I, got th- I got through them all and um, I got through that two weeks. But, um, I'm, yeah, it, it is really tough and for all the people out there that are that are facing quarantines and, and, and being alone, um, I'm sure it can get tough, but um, 
yeah, hopefully everyone gets through. How, how do you structure your day? Do you try and bring structure into your day or do you just sleep as long as you can and go to bed as early as you can? Like, How do you do it? Um, yeah, I've... I found that um, I've sort of needed a little bit of structure in here. Um, I've got a bike, um, which has been good. So um, been getting the Peloton on Zwift, which is an app right. that uh, you yep. get on there and ride with other people. So I've done that. Um, that's sort of my mornings, trying to sort of sleep into nine, nine or ten, um, which is also pretty rare for me. I, I tend to wake up fairly early at home and uh, get out there and get into the day. Um, yeah, ride my bike, read the news, read the paper. There's obviously plenty of news going on in the world at the moment, so that feels an hour or two. Um, I've got a PlayStation, and I'm not a gamer. Um, but, but you're becoming one. But I'm currently a gamer. Um, right. I was actually speaking to uh, Liam Livingston um, the other day, um, <laughs> who's an English cricketer. Yep. And uh, I didn't know this, but you can look on online and see your stats for Call of Duty. Right. And... Um, and his quote to me is that I would have to be the worst cricketer on the international Call of Duty circuit um, with those stats. So um, the amount of hours that I'm putting in doesn't reflect um, how good I am. I'm actually pretty bad. But uh, I'm getting through my days with a bit of cold and then, um, yeah, FaceTiming people at home and and uh, just getting through. And the, the food component, can you order in or do you get what you're given? Yeah, look, I had this... Um, I spoke to our dietitian before coming into this uh, <laughs> round, of, round of quarantine and I said, I want no carbs in my meals. Um, I want to have a, because my diet can give me a bit of a focus during the day to, to stay on, um, keep my body in shape. Yep. And uh, so I've gone down the no carb route, but um, it's been a bit tougher than I first thought. Um, Santuros has got me a couple of times, so I've probably undone all my good work with my diet, but... Um, <laughs> Yeah, the no-carb option's been giving me a, a good focus to have and the food's actually been, been really good from the hotel. So, um, But we can order it. We can order in whatever you want, um, Uber Eats, and um, they're, all, they're really good like that. So um, some guys have been smashing it. And as far as that magnificent physique of yours, those big biceps, are, are, you, are you sit-ups and push-ups and tricep dips or are you, like, are, you, are you doing that or are you just literally on the bike? Yeah, no, no upper body for me. Um, don't want to get it to... Uh, any bigger than what I am, I carry a few extra 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 skin folds up the top there. So um, don't want to be getting any bigger in here, mate. Uh, that's my excuse to, to JL though. Um, can't be getting any bigger, coach. But uh, yeah, the boys jump online at 11 a.m. every morning, um, do a workout together. Um, some guys are on there every morning, others aren't. We've got some some gym equipment in our room now, so um, yeah, tend to do that in the afternoon to to fill a gap. So. Um, I find exercise is great for my mental health and especially in here, it's something to do. So um, a few of us jumped on, on Zoom the other day and um, got on the bike together and just talked some gaff and, and uh, connected with each other and I found that really, really good. So I'm sure we'll be doing that next week. Who's the Cadell Evans on the bike? Is that like your man Carey, he's a pretty fit operator, isn't he? Yeah, Keza, Alex Carey's um, pretty good on the bike, pretty fit. Um, young Nathan Ellis. Oh, yeah. Um, Rides with a shirt off, which is both great motivation and um, not great for your headspace because he's got a fair rig on him, the kid. Um, I, I'm more in the uh, the Anamir's type, um, up the front, strong power athlete, but, um, you know, 200-metre bursts right. um, at times. Yeah, well, you, get behind me, boys. Your boy Nathan Ellis has got plenty to be happy about and there's not many blokes start their international career with a hat-trick, I guess, so he's probably pretty happy. Oh, let's clean him up. 
Ellis following up his removal of Bangladeshi captain Marmadula by getting Mustafiza Rahman with his very next delivery. Lashed onto that one, that's uh, going uh, straight to hand. And he gets a second wicket. One ball left in the innings. One ball left for Alice to etch his name in the record books. There's a fielder coming around. And I think he's got his hat-trick. Goodness gracious me. Unreal, unreal. Unfortunately, with the way the series panned out, it probably went a little bit unnoticed. But um, to get a hat-trick on your debut is unbelievable. And he was so pumped. Hey, mate, how was... The West Indies and Bangladesh, obviously it was a difficult series performance-wise, apart from you, who were obviously the standout. Two consistent themes this series have been Australia winning the toss and the great form of Mitch Marsh. Oh, that sounded sweetly. The all-rounder making the most of his move up to number three, taking O'Shane Thomas apart. And it goes all the way for six. What is life like on tour in the West Indies and then Bangladesh. Can you go out and about or is it hotel, training, game, hotel? Um, at the moment these days, it's literally, yeah, your hotel room, the dining room, the team room and the ground, um, which can be a bit of a grind, especially when things aren't going well yeah. um, for the team. Um, but um, traditionally, the West Indies is a hell of a tour. Um it's such a great place, amazing people, so many things to do and see outside of the game of cricket, which is a huge part of why international cricket is so amazing. You know, some of the places you get to go and see and, and people that you meet along the way. Um, so it, the, the whole COVID situation has definitely changed the way touring cricket um, goes. But, um, yeah, we still had fun. Um, a lot of guys um, play, love their golf. Um, Unfortunately, the golf tour didn't quite work out. No. Uh, myself and Mitchell Stark are commissioners of the uh, Bag of Green Tour. <laughs> um, we host events, um, tours. Um, we've got a, a yellow jacket that we got made up. We've got a claret jug. Um, <laughs> we, we, we put a lot of effort into the golf tour uh, of the West Indies because that's basically one of the only things that we can do um, throughout these times. But um, unfortunately, um, yeah, the golf course in St. Lucia was... Um, was steady at best and uh, extremely expensive, so uh, the US dollar. So um, that threw a lot of boys out. And in Barbados, we weren't unfortunately weren't able to play golf. So um, we went through a lot of effort, the, uh, my my commissioner and I, but uh, didn't get the rewards in the end. But uh, in the future, we will. And so, mate, how do you go about playing at the elite level when you have no I've talked to AFL footballers about this that you have no respite from your job basically you you can't get out of the hotel room you can't go and spend some time wandering around there's no crowd how much is the no crowd a factor for you yeah I certainly miss crowds um, and international cricket um, you know I've played in, in front of some amazing crowds um, all around the world and and that's part of the reason why you play at, at this level is to you want to be performing in front of people. Mm. And, um, so it's certainly a different, um, mind you, having the Barmy Army not spraying you from the, from the boundary <laughs> is actually pretty good, um, especially when you spend a lot of your time in the outfield like I do. So, uh, But, um, yeah, I guess COVID's just changed the way that you've got to go about things and um, you've got to ride, ride the wave of... Of, of COVID really um, and find other ways to, to get away from the game. Um, I'm not going to lie to you, Call of Duty has probably saved me yeah. in that sense yep. um, 
and I never would have thought that playing a PlayStation would be my outlet to, to get away from the game. Um, but it has been. Um, sort of staying connected with, with friends and family back home. FaceTime's a wonderful thing. Um, you know, I'd catch up with mates and, and watch a game of footy over FaceTime when I'm away. Wow. Um, you know, talking sport, um, talking going on holidays when the world opens up and stuff like that. And then you're probably, in a, in a positive sense, you probably rely a lot more on your teammates and, and connecting with them on a deeper level. Um, living in, I lived in Alex Carey's room for the whole of the West Indies tour. Um, he's probably sick of me by now, but um, for someone like that who has always been a, a, a good mate of mine um, in cricket, um, all of a sudden becomes a great mate for, for life. And um, whilst we don't get to go out on you know, beautiful catamarans in, the, in Barbados and, and see the island in that sense, there's other, other avenues for, to create good memories um, and, and positive memories on a, on a tour where things are really different. And I think anyone that knows you, Marshy, knows you're, you're a really positive character. I mentioned at the start, you've always got that big smile on your face. Last, last one on this, you know, this is your fourth quarantine now. Um, all things being equal, you go to the T20 World Cup, you'll cop it again there, and then you'll need to do another one coming home. So that'll, that'll be up to six. And then who knows what the, the, the summer ensures. We're seeing some of the English cricketers talking about how difficult it is if they can't bring their family here, players pulling out of tournaments, which you can completely understand. How have you got through your more difficult times mentally? Like what have you done to get yourself into a positive frame of mind when you're in this isolated situation? Um, probably the biggest, the biggest thing that I've learned, and that's, this is out of, um, places where I've been isolated and, and in hotel quarantine is just to be, um, to be present, um, at all times and, um, understand that whilst things are not ideal right now, um, in a week's time, in 10 days time, I'm going to be home with my lovely girlfriend, my family down at Cottesloe Beach, having a swim, getting out for a paddle, um, so, yeah, just in, enjoying, trying to enjoy what I have here, um, my bike, uh, my PlayStation. I had Mitchell Swepson's guitar at times on, on, the, um, on the tour. So, um, yeah, just being present. And, I mean, for me personally, you look at what's happening around the world right now and um, sitting in this hotel room, I've actually got it pretty good. So, um, yeah, it's not all, not all bad. How are you going on the guitar? It's been, a, I've been, I'm a year and a half in now. You can see that in my back shoulder there. Um, I, I find it takes my mind off everything because I'm so bad at it. I can only focus on it at the moment. <laughs> are you, are you, a, are you a, a chords man? Have you got to bar chords? Like where, where are you at? And do you sing along? That's what I really <laughs> want to know. I do sing, mate. I do sing. Good. Um, not, not, not overly well, but uh, I do enjoy it. I, I stupidly didn't bring my guitar on this tour. Right. Um, which is a, a schoolboy era. You, you um, could have been. You could have come out like um, Tommy Emmanuel after all this, Mahashi. Well, you never know. You never know. Um, <laughs> I could have been. I could have been doing a live performance on the podcast. Yes, Ma. you could have, and that <laughs> that would have entertained me. Yeah. No, I um I put up a um a clip of me singing on my Instagram a few years ago. I saw this. Yeah, and it, the boys. It didn't go down well with the boys, so uh, it didn't last long on my page, but. Um, I do love my guitar. I've got my music room at home where I spend a little bit of time in. But, um, yeah, I sort of go in waves with the guitar these days. I'll, I'll go a month where I play every day and then I'll go a month where I pick it up once a week at home. Um, but, yeah, I've kind of got to the stage now where if there's a song I want to learn, I can learn it. And, um, yeah, it's like you said, it's a, 
it's something that I pick up and that's I'm just so present with that um, with yeah. my guitar in my hand and it's a, it's a great feeling. Are you better than Smithy or not? Uh, if I wasn't better with Smithy, I reckon I'd give it up. Um, <laughs> okay. He won't mind me. Well, yeah, oh, Smithy's got to, I think he's got to find something else. He's pretty good at a lot of things in life, but um, the guitar's probably taken him a bit of extra time <laughs> to pick up, which is great to see because for someone who's, you know, done a lot of things, made a lot of things look easy, yeah. guitar's not one of them. Yeah. Uh, hey, mate, let, let's get to, to, to you and cricket. Uh, I was thinking about this. I, I need to go back and find it on YouTube. I can remember an Ashes series and I should have this right, Martian. You might not even be able to help me out, where your old man Jeff and Tubby Taylor opened the batting and batted all day. Beach Gower, 98. They may come back to three. Taylor's going quickly. There's the throw. Mark Taylor scoring his second hundred. Beautiful innings. There it is. And I just remember thinking, oh, I'll be allowed to start and watch a bit of the cricket. And uh, my mum's saying, all right, you can continue to watch. So I was, I don't know, 13, 14 at the time. You can continue to watch till Australia loses a wicket. So that's it. The end of the day's play. Australia, no wicket for 301. The Australians... Absolutely cock a hoop in the dressing room. And I got to watch the whole thing because your old man and, and, and Tommy batted all the way through. So what are, what are your – do you have – you wouldn't have any – do you have any memories of your old man playing cricket or not? Um, no, unfortunately not, no. Um, Dad finished in 94, 95, I think. Yep. Oh, okay. Uh, so, yeah, and I was born in 91. So um, all my memories of Dad in the Australian dressing room of when he was coach um, when I was young. <laughs> And they are some incredible memories that I've got. But so well, as you, as a young bloke growing up, did you have these legends of the game when you started to become aware of cricket sort of float through your house and float through your environment? Because you, your old man's a very social fella. Yeah, he is a very social fella. I can thank him for that. Uh, <laughs> got me in trouble a few times over the journey. <laughs> um Yeah, look, I've got some amazing memories um, of being in and around the Australian dressing room um, when I was fairly young. Um, You know, guys like Shane Warne, um, Gilly, Glenn McGrath, um, Steve Waugh, who, you know, is my hero. You know, Christmases at uh, Boxing Day, Christmases um, in Melbourne with the team, travelling around the world, travelling to England. (laughs) Um, Yeah, just amazing. Um, some of the stories that um, we've got. Uh, I still remember we were sitting on the bus um, in Australia one day and I was sitting next to Warney. How old would you have been? Oh, maybe eight or nine, yeah. <laughs> and um, Warney just pulled out this big water cache, like, huge, <laughs> and he gave it to me. And I was like, oh, this is a, I'm, like, it was a big water cache <laughs> and it's clear as day in my memory. Anyway, I went back up to the front of the bus and I sat next to Dad. I pulled it out, it's water cash. I said, Dad, how look at this? Warnie <laughs> gave it to me. <laughs> and I caught the fair spoke from Dad, give that back right now. <laughs> and I'm sure Warnie probably did as well. But um, it's like, memories like that, just sitting next to the king, out, out of big water cash comes. And I thought I was rich, but uh, it was, uh, wasn't very, didn't last long. <laughs> <laughs> so what was your first memories of, of playing? Is it, is it in the backyard with your brother or with your dad? Or when do you first remember playing cricket? Yeah, um, so we, I grew up on um, two and a half acres, about half an hour out of Perth. Um, Dad's family were all farmers. And, um, obviously, Dad's cricket took him to Perth. So when he moved off the farm, he wanted a bit of acreage and a, a bit of land and a bit of space. Um, 
after growing up on a farm. So we had um, yeah, an incredible childhood, um, about half an hour out of, out of Perth in a place called Jandicott, um, where we had um, a huge grass area with four pine trees um, as the footy goals. Uh, we had a tennis court. We had a cricket net next to the tennis court. And then we had a, um, because it was a semi-rural area, area, we had to have a compulsory fire track around. Um, so that was my motorbike track. I had a four-wheeler. Oh, wow. Um, that had a motorbike track around the house. Um, and funnily enough, the tennis court was actually our cricket wicket um, for backyard cricket. And uh, I've said this a few times that my memories of playing backyard cricket um, aren't all that great because Sean, being eight years older than me, um, I didn't get much of a bat. <laughs> um, and I, I did get, I, I just bowled. I bowled until he'd had enough. And then he'd literally just walk inside and, and that'd be it. And I'd cry to mum and dad and they'd make him come out and bowl to me for five minutes and it was very low interest bowling. Um, but uh, that was my memories of, of growing up in the backyard with Sean. And luckily I had uh, my cousin Brad Shepherd, who plays for the Eagles, who's the same age as me, who uh, we had some fierce battles in the backyard, uh, Ashes cricket. Um, it was, uh, yeah, it was a great place to, to play cricket. And you, did you want to be Steve Waugh? Like, he, he was your man? Every time I batted, I was Tucker, yeah. Um, yeah, scoring a, a four off the last ball of the day to get 100 <laughs> most times. 2.33 for five. Here we go. Dawson comes up and bowls to War, who drives and drives through the offside for his 100. That is extraordinary. He was, yeah, he, just the way he went about it. Um, he was an amazing captain and, and that era of cricket as a kid to grow up watching um, you know they were so t- well, they appeared to be so tough and yeah. and hard nosed. They always won. Um, so yeah, Tugger was um, Tugger was the hero. Who were you when you were playing footy? Ah, uh, the King. Yeah, King Kerry. Were you really? Because um, you're a big yeah, Kangaroos yeah, man, yeah. aren't you? Oh, I am. Yeah, I am a, a Kangaroos man. So um, I was always the King. I didn't move like the King, but uh, you know, mentally, I was the King <laughs> <laughs> in the backyard. <laughs> What, what you won't realise, I was only thinking about this this morning, I, I visited that house of yours because way back in the day for Channel 7 Sports wow. World, I went across and shot a story with your sister, Melissa, yeah, who yeah. I reckon was playing basketball for the Lynx. Perth Lynx, yeah, yeah. Yeah, and she was going, it was a double story because she was going out at the time with Sean Irvine out of, was he Zimbabwean? Yep, yep, Zimbabwean. Yeah, Cricket, and yeah. He, yeah, he'd moved to Australia and there was talk yeah. about whether he could progress here. So I've actually been to that magnificent Ponderosa to shoot a story wow. with his sister. Crazy. Yeah, yeah, yeah I, I good, don't know where you, you were probably at school or something. Yeah, um, probably. <laughs> so who did you first play cricket for in a proper game that you can remember? Yeah, my, my first game of cricket was for uh, Willerton um, Junior Cricket Club uh, versus Maddington uh, Junior Cricket Club. Um, I scored 12 not out and uh, felt like 1,200. Really? <laughs> Probably, yeah. Was, I was only um, playing under 12s and I was, I was actually, uh, I was only eight. Right. So I felt like I was playing against giants at the time uh, as a kid, you know. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, 12 not out was, um, oh, it was a, it's a great feeling. And, but it was everything that went with playing my first game of cricket, you know, the, the pre-game nerves, um, who am, I, who am I playing against? Are these guys any good? Um, playing with a, a brand new cricket ball, a red, a red king. They used to 150 oh, grand red The two piecer. She um, do a bit the red king. The two piecer, mate. Oh yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, so I still remember that day. 
um, like it was yesterday. And yeah, I, uh, I loved playing for, for Willerton um, my junior years, and um, that's for, sort of where it all began. Did you bowl in that first game? We didn't get a trundle. Uh, I didn't get a trundle. No, fielded at fine leg, uh, stayed out of the way. Uh, but uh, yeah, I did get end up getting the bowl that year, and uh, yeah, took a couple of wickets, but uh, wasn't anything special. More of Mitch shortly. Now, life in lockdown has led to a new addition to the Howie Games podcast portfolio. Partly, it must be said, driven by feedback received by you. Many listeners have asked over the last couple of years if we could expand the format beyond sport. So we present, for your listening pleasure, the Howie Games Artist Series. Basically, instead of athletes, the Artist Series will feature creative style operators. Think rock stars, actors, comedians, filmmakers, podcasters, TV stars, authors and much more. It touches on the guest's love of sport, then gets stuck into what they do for a living. So much fun, my end, chatting to these very cool cats to find out what makes them tick. I've noticed a lot of similar themes coming through with the sporting world. Hard work, dedication, seeking perfection, having a crack... The stories told on the Artist Series, though, they are bigger and slightly wilder at times. For example, performing in front of 150,000 people screaming your name when you are a genuine rock star, the devastation for an actor after failing at audition after audition after audition, the price of fame as a comedian, audiences not getting your jokes and booing you off stage, blowing up on social media, hearing your song on the radio for the first time, behind the scenes on making a smash hit movie, and I'm talking with this particular guest, a smash hit movie, you will have all seen it, all with the artists that you love on the telly, in the movies, their music, their podcasts, their books, etc. The Artist Series kicks off on Wednesday, September the 15th, where we are privileged to not only feature one of Australia's most beloved singer-songwriters, the great man Paul Kelly, who absolutely loves his sport, by the way, and this is the really cool part, but to also play for the very first time Paul's new song about one of Australia's most loved footballers. So the first place you can hear Paul Kelly's new song is next Wednesday when his episode of the Artist Series drops. I don't know how that has happened, but it is absolutely super, super, super cool. When I was chatting to Paul, we touched on another song he wrote, also about one of Australia's most loved sportsmen, Sir Donald Bradman. My dad was a lawyer and um, Sir Donald was a stockbroker in, <laughs> in Adelaide at that time. So they were on a, on a board of something company or they, wow. they met in, in professional circles. And he also lived in Kensington Park and we lived in Kensington Gardens. So he lived just a, a mile down the road. So, and evidently... I rode in a car with Donald Bradman once when I was about five years old. But, Did uh, you? That's uh, something to tell the grandkids about, Paul. <laughs> but I don't remember it. <laughs> no, but that doesn't matter. <laughs> so I did send, I sent the song to him and, uh, as you might expect, with Don Bradman, who famously answered every letter that was written to him, mm. I got a reply. And I just sent him the song and I did, I wrote the song. And, uh, at the end I said, you may remember my father, John Kelly. And he wrote back a, a short letter, quite dry. Quite dry. <laughs> so I haven't, he didn't, he didn't, I haven't heard the song yet. I'll have to go and play it on my sister-in-law's record player or something. Maybe. Okay. Um, but I, and I said, I appreciate your efforts. <laughs> right. Did you keep the letter? Yeah, I wish I could find the letter right now, but um, I know it's in somewhere. Please find that letter, Paul. Please find that letter and put that letter somewhere safe. I better. 
That is Paul Kelly, songwriting god, next Wednesday on the very first edition of the Howie Games Artist Series. Alrighty, let's get back to Mitch. So what was it like being not only the son, like some blokes get the son of, you get the son of and the brother of. So when you're 12, Sean, he's, well, he's 20. He, he's well and truly on his way at that stage. Yeah. How did you deal with, oh, all the kids saying, oh, that's Mitch Marsh, that's Jeff Marsh's son, that's Sean Marsh's brother. Gee, he must be good. Yeah. Well, Sean got called Sauce. Uh, son of Swampy, and I got called Boss, brother of Sauce. Right. So it trickled down. Um, <laughs> but yeah, it was. Um, I don't think that that sort of stuff really hit me until probably my late later on in my teen years. Yeah. Um, you know, as a ten to sort of fourteen, fifteen, you you're just a young kid, and I couldn't have cared less about that sort of stuff. I was just loved playing cricket in the summer and and footy in the winter. So um, yeah, the, the junior years were just um, all fun and. And I absolutely loved it. Um, you know, I, I wouldn't change anything in those early years just playing the game of cricket that I loved. First bat? What was your first bat? Can you remember? Your, was your old man, your old, was your dad a Grey Nichols man? Nichols. Yeah. Yeah. I had a um, half shaven down uh, Grey Nichols Optimum. Optimum. Nice. Yeah. Purple stickers. Um, yeah, I remember that. So clearly. Was, was um, it a birthday or a Christmas or when did you get it or was it just a gift out of the old man's bag? Or Yeah, I think it was um, basically just a Christmas gift actually, yeah. Um, and, yeah, I thought it was the greatest thing ever. Well, there's nothing better. There's, I, I remember giving nah. my young bloke got a kookaburra last Christmas and Marty, the, the – the delight on his face when he peels her off and he's like, oh, this is the bat that Maxi uses and it's, you know, like <laughs> it's brilliant to see as a father and hopefully if that's the path you choose, you get to see that at some stage as well with a, with a son or a daughter. Yeah. But that first cricket bat, it's such a, it's such, I had a, a Grey Nichols Century was my first ever cricket bat that, and nice. I can remember, I remember my dad going to buy it with me. It's such a, there's something about cricket, isn't it, that you look back on those early memories of the whites and the new bat and the, you know, the afternoon tea and sitting out there with your mates in the sunshine. It's, there's a few other games that can compete with that, I reckon, those memories we all have. Yeah, exactly. Um, you, I think it's, the game goes for so long, you create so many different memories, um, places to go, travelling to an hour to games. Yeah, and, um, yeah just brilliant. First 100? Um, first 100 was for Williton. Um, yeah, it was uh, in my second year um, playing cricket. Um, so I was, yeah, basically 10, uh, which is pretty crazy. Um, still yeah, still but, playing um, in the under-14s? Uh, under-13s, Under-13s, yeah. okay. Yep. Talk me yep. through the knock. Um, um, well, yeah, it was a, it was a good one. Um, not going to lie to you. Was, uh, <laughs> don't. Talk it up, mate. <laughs> no, no. Um, I don't really remember too much about the innings, but um, I remember just um, rocking up to the Sean's game of A-grade cricket at the time and, um, and being so proud that I'd made 100. <laughs> uh, and so talking, talking him through... Um, my innings and and all of his um, the, the Williton A grade teammates um, asked me questions about it, and uh, I just felt like I'd you know come off a test match and I was doing a press conference <laughs> telling everyone about how well I played and and uh, and how proud I was to make a hundred for Williton Cricket Club, and um, yeah, it was. Uh, Pretty cool. Oh, it's brilliant, mate. It's, it's, it's brilliant to yeah. see the smile on your face as you talk about it. So at what age 
obviously your dad, you've known that he's been a professional cricketer. You're seeing your brother being a professional cricketer. At, at what age did you think, oh, is that what you always wanted to do or is there other things you wanted to do or did your ability get to a point where it became a realisation for you? How did that unfold for you? Um, yeah, I wanted to play cricket for Australia since I could remember. <laughs> um, that was my only dream and goal in my life was to play cricket for Australia and I think um, being so fortunate to be involved and around the Australian dressing room from literally when I was born to now that I'm 29, almost 30, I keep that under the wraps. But um, <laughs> yeah, it's it's literally all I wanted to do. School, I wanted to play cricket for Australia. Teachers used to ask me, "What are you going to do?" And I, I, I still remember saying that I'm going to play cricket for Australia, and and that's all I wanted to do. Um, so from a very young age, that was that was the goal. So I, I look, looked at a bit of reading here, Marshy. <laughs> at age 17 in 2009, you made your domestic debut for the Warriors against South Australia in the Ford Ranger Cup, if I've got this right, the youngest ever debutant in an Australian 50-over game. You played in Bunbury, which a good mate, of my, my, good mate of mine once told me, oh, mate, you just head down to Mark. If you're going to Mark River, you go through Bune Bury. And I said, is it not called Bunbury? <laughs> but anyway, you. so that, that, that's where it all kicked off your Bune Bury, was it? Yeah, yep, down in uh, Bune Bury. Um, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, um, regional match for WA. Um, funny story about that game is um, when I was, well, I wear contact lenses um, and uh, all, growing up I, I, well, I basically had pretty bad eyes, um, but I didn't know that at the time. Huh. So uh, I played that game and I used to, like my pull shots um, always used to be my, my favourite shot, my best shot growing up. And uh, obviously I was playing against men, so they were a bit quicker and a bit sharper and I remember um, got bowled a couple of bounces as you do in your first game as a youngster and I, I couldn't pull them and I could hardly see them. And I was like, jeez, I'm out of my depth here. <laughs> and um, anyway, it wasn't until I, I went and got my eyes checked and um, I actually needed contact lenses, which helped a lot. Wow. So I played my first game for Western Australia and I could hardly see at the time, um, which was amazing. But I'd, I'd never really realised that I, I, my eyesight was you know, fairly bad. I just huh. never even complained about it. I just thought it was normal, you know. So, um, but yeah, I, I um, it was a, a great memory and something that I'm really proud of to have played at uh, the home of cricket down in Boonbury, <laughs> whatever, in, whatever you, it was you, called. Boonbury, my friend. Do you, do you remember? <laughs> you remember who got you out or not? No, I, I couldn't tell you what happened in that game. Well, I'll funny. tell you. It's one of your current teammates who's made a renaissance. The man that travels the world, winning cricket tournaments. Dan Christian. Leg before wicket, Dan Christian for ten. LBW. Yeah. There you go. It's been a common theme. <laughs> <laughs> So, mate, then, then obviously things progressed well. You made your Australian debut in a T20 international in South Africa. Um, yep. And Marshy, let's not be understated here. You were talking about your 100 at Willett and you lit the show up. 36, four sixes, including three in the final over. We won't talk about the result of the game, but what was it like all of a sudden, you know, you've described your background and all of a sudden you, you're putting on the Australian T20 international kit and you're an international cricketer. Yeah, it's... Um 
it all happened pretty quickly yeah. at that stage of my life. My word. Um, well, we're talking about, yeah, it's yeah. 2009, you're making your debut at 17 and then you're playing for Australia in 2011. So what are you, 19 or 20 at this stage? Um, yeah, I was um, yeah, just about to turn 19. Right, wow. At that stage. Um, I'm pretty sure anyway. Um, maybe I was 19, but, um, yeah, it happened real quick. Um, and I look back on, on it now, um, potentially a little too quick. Um, in what way? Um, I was a very immature young kid at that point in time in my life. Um, but, um, I also wouldn't change it for the world. Um, you know, playing cricket for Australia and I, I got to play with Ricky Ponting. Um, so that was also huge. Um, but yeah, that, that game was amazing. Um, the Wanderers, probably one of the most hostile crowds in the world or in world cricket, um, full house. Uh, they had a, a, a pretty good team. Um, I remember facing Mornay Morkel, even though I managed to get in for a couple of sixes, I was still batting's all about being present at the time, you know, and, and um, switching on and switching off and blah, blah, blah. And I was just, these guys were running in at me and I was like, this is unreal. Like, this is, <laughs> <laughs> this is unreal. And then I, 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 I hit a six and I was like, what just happened there? Like, do, I, do I go again or do I keep swinging? Because if I was just playing uh, for Fremantle off WA, I just, and uh, just, yeah, managed to, to get a couple away and um, yeah, it was an incredible experience. Like you said, unfortunately we lost that game, but um yeah, it was incredible to get my my uh, number fifty four, the fifty fourth player to play T Twenty cricket for Australia. It was um, yeah, an amazing experience, mate. There's very few people that have been able to hold down a consistent spot, probably in in world cricket in the last twenty years as an all rounder. You know, if there's the Jack Callises of the world, obviously that's a superstar, Freddie, I guess for England. Um, you know, both them has done it but it's what are the what is required in your training and preparation to be a international class batsman and international class bowler um yeah something that probably um took me a, a, a long while to figure out sort of what was the best preparation for me yeah um and I think certainly as a young kid um you feel like you've got to be bat for an hour and a half and then go and bowl you know eight overs in the nets and really prove your worth and prove to people that you're fit and um, probably no hiding behind the fact that when I was first came into cricket, I, I wasn't the fittest of young kids. Uh, I definitely relied on my, uh, my natural ability at times. Yep. Um, so I tried to match a high-level intensity training with someone who probably didn't put in the work, uh, enough work behind the scenes to be an international or even a domestic all-rounder. Um, and, and that's probably why I struggled with injuries early on in my career. Some great lessons came out of that. But um, I think it's all about just finding the right balance of what works for you. Um, you know, some days are going to be days where you probably spend a little bit more time batting. Other days you need to work on your bowling and sort of being okay with the fact that I didn't bat for as long as I probably wanted to today, but physically I need to make sure that I'm right to go for the game. So, um and, you know, this game of cricket's so much of um, relies so much on your mental mm. side of things that, um, yeah, ultimately just comes down to being switched on at the right time out in the middle. What do you prefer, batting or bowling? If you had to choose one, what's more fun for you? Um, yeah, definitely batting. Um, 
batting feels more rewarding, um, probably because you do a lot more failing than you do succeeding as a batsman. Um, so when you do succeed personally, it's um, it's an amazing feeling. Um, but yeah, I've always loved batting, and, and bowling's just been an added bonus that's uh, probably got me a few more games than it should have. Yeah, right. <laughs> well, and mate, I, 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 a big part of your journey is the ups and downs along the way, which we'll get to, and, and how you've yep. dealt with those physically and mentally. Um, your test debut. 22nd of October 2014 versus Pakistan. How did you find out you were going to play? Um, yeah, Rod Marsh and, and Buff um, basically, yeah, came in and said that I was going <clears> to <throat> play my first test for Australia, um, which is a yeah, yes, very surreal feeling. Um, you know, I was only sort of 21 at that time, 20, maybe 22, 23. One of those. It's all a blur now. It's 2011 it was. Yeah, so 21, 22. Yep. Um, and, uh, yeah, I, I just remember saying, right, this is, um, this is it. And I, I felt really confident at the time. I had a, an A series during the winter um, that I performed really well in. So I sort of felt really comf- like confident in my ability to go out there and, and play test cricket for Australia. So, um, yeah, as you do, you bring your family and friends and say that you're going to debut. And um, luckily enough, it was at a time where you could travel openly. <laughs> and, um, yeah, I had a fair crew over there for the test debut and um, it was an amazing feeling. What was it? And we'll get to who presented your cap in a moment to you, but uh, can you run me through the conversation with uh, your parents, with your dad? Um, yeah, well, for those that know Dad, he's um, a man of very few words <laughs> unless he's had a couple of sherbets. So, um <laughs> He was just over the moon, um, you know, the typical well done, mate. Um, hard work starts now, I think, because obviously he's been through all those emotions that um, he probably knew what was ahead of me. Um, so he, he sort of kept the lid on it. Uh, Mum was hysterical in tears. Was she? Um, very joyful um, <laughs> and extremely proud. So um, he had sort of had both ends of the, ends of the spectrum on the phone, but, um, yeah, it was... Um, yeah, amazing to be able to ring them up and say that I was going to play Test Match Cricket for Australia. And the cap presentation, which we see more and more of, I, I did see some vision of your cap presentation. Yeah, look, uh, that was that was amazing. Um, I wish I remembered more of what Dad said. It was your dad that presented you with the cap. Mitchell Marsh and Stephen O'Keefe have been handed their first baggy green caps ahead of the first test against Pakistan. Marsh was presented with his cap by his father and former test opener, Jeff Marsh. Yeah, most of my family flew over um, and a fair few friends flew over as well. Um, Dad um, presented Sean's cap and then presented my cap, which is um, very special to, to, to us and um, any cap presentation for Australia is extremely special. But, um, yeah, like I said, I, I wish I remember more of what Dad said. It was just so emotional and I was obviously extremely nervous. And um, But the one thing I, I do remember is Dad, when we grew up, Dad had this huge bar bar area um, where he spent most of his time, to be fair. <laughs> and um, he had all of his cricket memorabilia just all around the room. He had ashes stumps. He had his baggy green um, on the wall, um, photos, trophies, everything that you could think of in this room. So every time we went in there, all we saw was just Australian cricket and the history of his era. And uh, Dad just spoke about um, that I'd grown up um, walking into the bar and seeing his baggy green on the wall 
hanging on the wall. And um, today is the start of your journey. And, um, and now you get to hang your baggy green up on, on the wall, um, potentially next to mine one day. And um, that was when the glasses came over the, the hat and over the, <laughs> over the eyes. Um, but yeah, that to have my old man present me my baggy green um, to make my debut for Australia was really special. And um, I don't think there was too many dry eyes in, going, going around the group. And um, yeah, it was a very, very special moment. Hey, great description, mate. Obviously, it was a, a tough tour for the Aussies. I think you had two tests and you got rolled <laughs> both 27 and three in your first test. And then um, you got runs in the second test. Uh, Plenty of runs in the second test, but you, you've grown up. You, you, like you could not, if you had to say, right, I'm going to debut somewhere completely opposite to where I've grown up. <laughs> Western Australia, hard bouncy wickets, and you're playing Pakistan and the UAE on the turners when the the spinners are coming on in the third and fourth over. What are your memories of those first couple of test matches? Was it completely different to any cricket you play? It uh, it certainly was. Uh, I grew up on the Wacker. Yeah. Um, so going to Dubai for my first test was. Um, was very different. Um, probably the the only disappointing thing about my test debut um, was you obviously dream of playing test match cricket in front of these huge crowds and there was probably 50 people in the crowd <laughs> and 40 of those were marshes. <laughs> <laughs> so, 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 so you had 80% of the crowd behind correct, you. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> couldn't, couldn't put a foot wrong. It was, it was great. Brad Haddon <laughs> took 14 runs off one over early in his innings. Goes back, cuts. And debutante Mitchell Marsh followed his vice-captain's lead. Hoisted away. But uh, it was a pretty surreal experience to be uh, to be fielding in my first test match in front of no crowds. But uh, in saying that, it was um, it was a, still a, an amazing experience uh, to be playing with some of the people I played with in that test. And um, Funny story, actually. I actually got given out, um, caught behind. And um, got given out, umpire fired me. And I uh, just started walking off, and it's in the times of um, the reviews and stuff like that. So Mitchell Johnson sort of came down the wicket and he was like, "Mate, mate, did you uh, did you hit that?" And uh, I said, oh, "Did I? I think I did. I'm out." And he goes, "Mate, just you might want to refer that. I'm not sure you've hit it." So uh, anyway, I referred it, and you're supposed to refer like that. Yeah, I went like that for some reason. <laughs> Got the technique yeah, all yeah, wrong. The upside down <laughs> referral. <laughs> upside down referral. Not even sure the umpire knew what I was doing. <laughs> <laughs> and um, so I referred it, replay, I missed the ball by about two inches. Wow. Not out. And while the DRS saved Marsh on 26. Oh, that's missed the outside edge, I think. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, I, I copped a, a fair bit of flack for that from the boys. Um, but I, I've never even been a part of a review system or anything like that. So it was all sort of new. It all happened so quickly. And, and thankfully for Jono. I managed to stay in there and make a few extra runs, but uh, not too many. <laughs> it proved to be his downfall just one run later. And yes, wickets hitting. And I went deep into Crick Info because I'm thinking, right, now I say this with the greatest possible respect with a bloke that can't play cricket and I get to talk about it, so I'm thrilled about that and you're a superstar of the game. So I say this with respect, Marshy, but I'm thinking, right, did he get his first test? We're getting his first test? No. No. I've had a look at the second test. No. <laughs> I've had, a look, I've had a look at the third test. No. And then I get to the fourth test and you've got that first one. Correct. Correct. Uh, yeah, you could say that uh, it was weighing down on me, that's for sure. Was <laughs> it? The fourth test, yeah. yeah. Um, albeit uh, two, my first two test matches in Dubai and Abu Dhabi, I think we took a combined 
total wickets of about seven yeah. in two test matches. Yeah, so that's true. Um, I wasn't on, I wasn't on my own there. Um, <laughs> and then uh, yeah, obviously the got to my fourth test match at the uh, the Gabba. Out, got him bottom edge, maybe toe of the bat. The Mitchell Marshes made the breakthrough. Um, Shikadar one. Um, I bowled him a filthy wide cut shot. <laughs> I'd bowled some good balls. I had a few players and misses, a couple of close calls. Um, and I, of all balls, I bowled him a filthy cut shot and he nicked it. <laughs> and it was so bad that I could hardly really celebrate. No one else did either. <laughs> so it was a very unsatisfying first wicket, but uh, I was away. <laughs> you were away. Now, and at this stage, mate, you're playing T20 internationals, you're playing one-day internationals, you're playing, you're playing test cricket, you, you know, you're, you're across all levels. It's, it's a lot of cricket being played. Um, let's talk about some more positives uh, before we get to the more difficult times, your first yeah. century for Australia was in a one-day international in 2016 at the SCG where you belted the Indians. Struck nicely and through. Just starting to roll, Mitch Marsh. What are your memories of that and what is it like to all of a sudden become a centurion for your country? Uh, yeah, look, that I still... Um, I might cop a bit of flack from this and the lads, but I still watch that probably once a month. <laughs> so you're all those views on YouTube. <laughs> yeah, right. correct. Maybe not once a month, a couple of times a year. <laughs> when things are getting tough, you know. Yeah, um, so you should, mate. You've done it. You've yeah. been it. You've lived it. Oh, look out. He's hit that so hard, Mitchell Marsh. Yeah, that day was um, oh, really special. Um, the, the game before... Was in uh, was in Canberra, and I think I got maybe fifty off, not many balls. But um, at that stage, uh, I copped a really good spray from from Buff Lehman, one of a few actually, <laughs> um, because at, we had a certain game style that was really attacking, and three fifty in Australia was was par for us. You know that was the high standards that we set, and um, I remember we were flying, and I um, got sent out to bat, and I was just blocking them. I was, I was having one of those days. Um, and uh, Buff basically sent a message out to me to hit out or get out. <laughs> right. The Mark Moore theory. That's what Junior yeah, says in, in the box. In, this bloke, hit out or get out. Yeah, in his jokingly joking manner, but he wasn't joking, you know. Um, and I ended up smacking a few. Um, I wouldn't say I was in the greatest form at that time, so that's probably why I was struggling to, to get away. Um, and that from that moment on, something clicked and I – um, sort of fell into a little bit of form and that was, yeah, the next game was um, at the SCG. So um, I, yeah, I just remember being super nervous. Um, I wouldn't say I was under the pump at that stage, but I was probably, um, hadn't scored as many runs as I would have liked um, leading into those games. So, um, and I remember I'd, I'd never really sweeped before, or swept before, um, in any form of cricket, and um, um, Jadeja was bowling, or maybe it was Ashwin, one of the two, and uh, I swept him for four, and uh, really early, early on in my innings to sort of get me away, get a boundary early in my innings, and I'd literally never swept, never really practiced it, been pretty tall and playing at the whacker, just hit down the ground all the time, and uh, from that ball on, I just something sort of clicked, and I, I just felt on that day. Um, didn't didn't sweep again, I don't think, but uh, got one away. And but it was a, a real sort of defining moment in that innings that I just 
I felt really good, felt really confident. And, um, yeah, I was batting with big John, John Hastings. Yeah. Um, and I, I, I'm pretty sure that once I got into my 90s or got to 99 or 98 or something, I actually chewed up a few balls, um, got, got real nervous. Um, but then, yeah, got, got away and, um, yeah, I, it was a... Uh, Amazing feeling to score a century for Australia at the SCG. Surely it'll be this ball. It is. Mitchell Marsh. It is a massive moment in his career. After all the hard work, things are starting to happen. That is the end of Mitch Marsh, part A. Don't miss part B. Listener.